Today's guest is NFL agent Rob Roach. Rob represents NFL all pros like Justin Tucker, Aldrich Rosas, Rick Lovato, and many more. While much of the public believes sports agents are like Jerry Maguire saying, show me the money, Rob takes us through the world of sports agency as it actually is, how to build and grow relationships with pro athletes, team front offices, and all the while juggling each player and team's unique needs. Enjoy. This podcast lives or dies by word of mouth. If, like you, you think you might know somebody who would enjoy a podcast like this, please feel free to share this with them, drop a five-star review, or forward it on to a buddy. It really helps spread the word and helps us bring on more awesome guests for you. Enjoy. Um, how do I get into the sports agent business? I actually played football at the College of New Jersey, which was back then was Trent State College. I was a wide receiver, and um, I, you know, I, was, I was always connected with football, and I love football, and I knew I wanted to do something in that space, you know, for my career, but I didn't know what to do, you know, was trying, I was trying to think about how I could do that, and one of the things I thought of when I was in college was that, hey, you know what, I could be an agent and represent football players, help them with their career, make good money, and still be involved in, in football, and so... That was before it was big Vogue type thing to be an agent, NFL agent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but, you know, went to law school, Seton Hall Law School. They had a sports law journal uh, there that I was on. I wrote an article on agents, got published. And then um, then tried to get a job with, like, some of the big firms and uh, was not able to obtain employment those those spots. And so I started my own practice. And, um, you know, I went to a, a firm in, uh, where I grew up and was able to do the legal work and also start my own sports management practice there. And um, just went out and recruited, got licensed by the NFL Player Association and uh, went out and recruited players. And uh, my first client that I got that um, did really well was Neil Rackers. He was a kicker for the, he got drafted by Cincinnati Bengals. Right. And um, yeah, Neil's my first guy and and got him in, helped him get in the league. And um you know, it's like any other business, Brendan. You, you do a good job for one guy, he tells somebody else. And he was friends with Shane Graham. They were in the same draft class. And then Shane asked me later on to help him. Did that, got him in the league. And then they were tight with Josh Brown. And then from there, just one one client after another, you know, it, I got a lot of specialist players. So it worked out that way. But presumably that's how that's how I got in. That's how I started doing my business. Now, when you look at specialists, I- I had the, um, uh, it's funny, actually, Joe Linta up and he coaches a high school football team up here in Connecticut by me. And I was talking to him once and maybe it's changed now, but I remember a couple of years ago, he said he would never touch specialists. Are you, can you kind of talk oh, really? a little bit about uh, what makes being an agent for a specialist a little bit different from maybe another position? Right. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I mean, I've, you know, I've represented a lot of specialists, obviously in my career. I've been doing it 20 years and, um, you know, I've enjoyed it. You know, I really enjoyed it because, you know, there's they have a good intellectual level, you know, and stuff like that in terms of where they're at. And, um, you know, they need help, you know, specialists need help because if you look at it, the kickers and the punters and the long snappers and the, the core special teams guys, they always are last, last thought of, you know, they don't really, they don't, teams don't think of him first. You don't think of 
who your kicker is going to be when you're first starting out to build your franchise. Um, but, however, if you look at it, the most important thing is how do you win football games? You've got to score the most points. Mm-hmm. Kickers score a lot of points for, uh, for teams. And a lot of kickers, I think a lot of the games are decided by, you know, field goal or less. And so I think they are very valuable. And so one of my opportunities has been to uh, demonstrate the value of kickers and, you know, to monetize that for kickers and specialists because they should be compensated, um, you know, appropriately. And, uh, but to answer your question, I guess I've, I've enjoyed it. I found it very rewarding, uh, both financially and also, um, you know, relationship wise, you know, I've had, Neil Rackers, Neil Rackers was my first client 20 years ago. Him and I talked like actually last week about stuff, you know, so it's those long-term relationships that, that I've been able to build, you know, with my specialists that I represent because you get to be tight with the guys because you do have to talk, you do, I do talk to my guys a lot, you know, talk to them what's going on, how they're feeling and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah. Gotcha. And I think that that's, you know, the, that's overlooked if you look most most teams highest point scorers are their kickers like Goskowski I know everything didn't work out too well with the Patriots um and he's had some injuries but you know he's scored more points for the Pats than Vinatieri has I think it was like 1700 points or something oh yeah he's played for them for what 12 years something like that I would think right yeah something like that 13 yeah Goskowski yeah so I mean you look at the good franchises the good teams they all have good quality kickers Right. And, and punters too. And their special teams are always good. Cause it's, it's another, it's one third of the, um, it's one third of the game. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, definitely. And how, from a, uh, your ideal client as a, as a specialist, or how does that client acquisition process work? Obviously when you first started out, you were the one marketing and reaching out to those guys to try to get your practice going. Maybe now you have kind of works in the opposite I'm just curious, you know, what do you look for or what's that process like when you are evaluating taking on a potential uh, free agent who's a specialist? Yeah, I mean, in terms of whether it's a draft guy coming up through the ranks or a free agent guy, you know, you, you look for um, basically ability, you know, can they kick? Can they, you know, can they punt? Can they snap? Um, you know, do they have the, the skill level? And most of the, a lot of kids do. Obviously, a lot of players do because they're at that level. Um, and you look and see what type of skill level they're at, and then you talk to them and you find out where their head's at and stuff like that. If it's going to be a good fit relationship wise for myself and for them, um, and try to reach, you know, maybe reach some common ground as to what their goals are and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just really talk to the player and find out where they're at, what their goals at. If they're a free agent who hasn't made it, why haven't you made it? You know, what's the reasoning behind you actually not latching on and gotten the spot yet? And, you know, see what they say. You know, a lot of times I look to see if they, you know, they're pointing a finger at other people and stuff like that, because sometimes that's, that's a lot of what, sometimes that happens a bunch. And, or do they take responsibility for where they're at in ownership, you know, and trying to get better? Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm able to get, a, I've been doing it for a while, so I'm able to get a good feel as to if it's somebody that I think, really has talent and should have the opportunity to, this hasn't had the opportunity yet, basically. Right. Um, because what I always tell my guys is, listen, I'll get you the opportunity. It's up to you what you do with it. You know, you right. got to kick that door in. And, you know, when the, 
a lot of guys can punt or kick and, you know, do great in, in you know, at home working out when they're getting filmed. But when you got a GM or a special teams coach standing right next to you, how are you going to perform at that point? You know, are, are you going to be able to perform on command at that point in time? Right. So, and you look at their past. I mean, I think the good indicator of the, of the future is your past. And how did that player perform in the past when they had opportunities? Stuff like that. Gotcha. And how does that process work when you are making introductions uh, for your clients to an NFL team? Is it because obviously there, you know, workouts happen all the time, whether there's an injury or, you know, uh, scouts are just doing their due diligence to keep that, that ready list of guys up to date week to week. Is it, is it something where they, they reach out to you every week or, or are you guys always constantly reaching out to teams to seeing what their needs are? How does that process work? Most likely, most of the time, it's me reaching out to the teams mm-hmm. and to see what their needs are. Um, you know, during the season, each team has a ready list of guys who they have on their list in case either their, their kicker or punter or snapper gets injured or performance is lacking and they want to bring somebody in. And normally they'll, they'll call you on a Sunday night or a Monday morning and line it up to bring the guys in on, on Tuesday for a workout Tuesday morning, and they bring a bunch of guys in. Um, but a lot of times it's, you know, you got to keep making sure you get the, your players' information out on them um, to teams, to special teams coaches. Um, I know I've been doing it for a while, so I do know the majority of the special teams coaches in the league. And so I'm able to have some type of dialogue as to are they looking to make a move? And if they do, you know, could you, please, could you look at my guy and evaluate him? And then you guys determine what you want to do from there. Um, but it's just trying to get them that opportunity to get in there to show what they can do. Gotcha. And do you find that yeah. uh, are there generalities in what the NFL coach is looking for in a specialist, or does that vary from team to team? It all depends. I mean, some it you know, it all depends what personnel they have. If they have a kick a punter that can kick off, some some special coaches aren't obviously aren't so concerned about having a kicker that can kick off and that might help you if you have a guy who doesn't have the best kickoff leg but is a good field goal kicker mm-hmm. right um so it all it does all depend upon each team you know i was thinking when we were just talking before i remember back in the day when i had shane when when shane graham was come trying to get back in the league and it was the buffalo bills that were having a hard time with their kicker and i remember the personnel guy was a guy named john guy and i'd call john like at least once or twice a week and like, come on, can you look at Shane? Can you, you know, bring him in? Can you look at him? Boom, boom, boom. And they brought him in twice, and then they finally signed him a second time. And uh, he ended up being a kicker for the rest of the year, and uh, he did a good job. And that helped that helped, that position helped him get to the next job he had. Um, but it was like, you know, you, you could you, you don't want to be a pain to the personnel people, but you also want to advocate for your client and get them an opportunity. And uh, you know, I, I, hopefully that answered your question, I believe, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, I mean, stay pleasantly persistent. And I think that there's, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're right. Like, how do you balance, how do you balance making sure you give these guys space while at the same time making sure that your client's needs are represented appropriately? Do you find that, um, or I guess a better question, what's the one thing you see NFL free agent guys on that bubble making or uh, doing wrong 
or what's the what's the biggest mistake you see a lot of NFL free agents who are maybe looking for an agent or they're just kind of on that bubble or that cusp of making it into the league like they've got the technique ability but they just haven't stuck for whatever reason what's the one thing you see those guys doing wrong or what's the advice you'd give to them yeah I think you know what it is two things one when you get an opportunity you got to step it up you know so when you get that point do get that opportunity to go into a a mini camp or a, uh, a workout, right? Mm-hmm. You're not competing against anybody else but yourself. Because a lot of guys always look at who else is competing against, how that guy did and stuff like that. But I always try to flip it and say, listen, you focus on yourself and you do your job and you make, make, you got to make your kicks. And, you know, I tell my clients, you make your kicks, especially as kickers, you make your kicks and good stuff's going to happen. So if you make your field goals, they're going to have to keep you or do something with you if you make your kicks. Right. Right. So I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, being able to perform at the time they have to perform and do it consistently on a consistent, consistent basis. Whereas if you go to minicamp, you have one day where you're making your 12 for 12 and the next day you're six for 12, you know, obviously it's not going to happen. Right. But you, you just got to make your kicks. You know, it's pretty simple. You got to actually perform and make your kicks. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, I know there's, there's not, sometimes it's tough to get looked at, you know, when you're a free agent and stuff like that. Um, Gary's honor does a good camp out in Arizona in the spring. He just doesn't, does in April. And if you can perform well there and do really well, he gets like one, he gets a couple guys signed free agent wise every year out of that camp. And then that's an opportunity to show what you can do. Um, right. So that's always good. But the biggest thing is making your kicks and performing when it counts on a consistent basis. And I always tell my guys, you take one kick at a time, you know, focusing on that kick, be present, do your job, make that kick and move on to the next one. Right. Um, you know, as, as a kicker or a punter and stuff like that, there's a lot of factors that go into it, obviously. You know, you got the snap, you got the hold, you got, you know, the conditions and stuff like that. But that's how I really try to work it with my guys, mm-hmm. you know, focus on how did you do? Not anybody else did, but, uh, you know, focus on yourself on, on how you do. Right. And is there ever a situation where you have, let's say you have two specialists and they go to the same workout. How do you kind of like frame that for, for two clients who might be competing for the same job? Is that something that you kind of address up front? Like that's just part of the business side of things? Yeah, it's just part of business. It's, you know, I'll get you the opportunity, and what you do with it is up to you. Yep. So, like, if you got two guys going into the same workout, you know, whoever performs the best or whoever the team likes the most is the guy that they're going to keep. Right. And, you know, my, my only role in our whole process is to make sure you get in the door. And then once you get in the door, it's up to you what you do with it. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, so that's – and it, it is tell the guys, you know what – tell each one the same thing you, you go out and do you perform your best and you know make your kicks or make you know turn the ball over as many times as you can on your punts and just you know knock the doors off of it can you comment at all on what it's been like to have uh, a super performer like a justin tucker as a client does is there something that you know, what is it about? Obviously, like he's a physical, you know, he's very physically talented. He hit these 70 yard kicks and stuff like that. But he's also very good under 
under pressure and makes his pressure. kicks. Yeah. Could, could you comment at all on like what makes him unique in terms of like uh, maybe the mental side of things? Yeah, no, I think it's right between the years what makes him so special, right? It's that mental, that mental makeup and the mindset. You know, I mean, I think, you know, he'll tell you too if you talk to him. Who walks on the field, he believes he's going to make every kick every time he walks out. He believes that. Right. And I think what's, what's cool about uh, Justin is that he keeps it simple. You know, he keeps it simple. He focuses in that moment what his, what his task is and how he has to execute, and he just focuses in and executes in that moment for that 1.3 seconds, and then lets it go and moves on to the next one. Gotcha. So regardless of whether it's a game winner or, you know, a 55-yard or whatever it is, you know, he's present in that moment, and he embraces the moment, mm-hmm. basically. You know, I mean, he embraces the moment. Um, but then focuses in on what he has to do to execute to make that kick, which How do you has been pretty the- cool. Yeah, definitely. How do you see the the business of sports, or how how have you seen uh, sports business change or evolve in the from when you first started to now? And then where do you see it going in the next five to ten years? Um, I'm trying to think. So when I first started, you know, I hate to say it, but the internet, the internet was just starting up, right? right. <laughs> and <laughs> which is crazy man we, we had dial up internet right I, i'm gonna date myself now with Christmas. fax machines but yeah players. yeah fax machines dial ups you know you, you didn't have instagram you didn't have you know your cell phones were just coming in vogue all that kind of great stuff right right but uh oh god that's so funny but um but no i think the technology side of it has made it a little bit easier to recruit from a from an agent perspective because you have social media and stuff like that, which is pretty, you know, you can, you know, reach out to people on Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, uh, prospective clients. Um, and doing research, you know, has it, been a lot easier uh, in that regard. Um, so more information is available on athletes and on players and on agents too, on past performance for agents. Um, so that's, I think that's really changed and, and to help the situation. Um, in terms of where sports are heading. I think esports are going to be big coming up. I know it's different than kickers and punters and stuff like that. But I think esports is another another realm that I think is going to get larger and larger in this in the sports uh, space, shall we say. Um, so yeah, I mean I think when I first started out it was more it was very difficult to recruit players because you had to actually really do your you had to research more and try to you know it was you didn't have access to information as much as you do now. Uh, mm-hmm. And now you have a lot more information to make the judgments of, is this kid I want to recruit? Is this kid I really want, I would like to sign? And same thing for the, um, you know, for the players. They have more information on the agents and stuff like that. Um, I think agents, you know, the business has gotten saturated, you know, with a lot of agents. There's a lot of people that want to be agents and stuff like that. So I think the number of agents uh, compared to the number of athletes that you're able to represent has grown exponentially in terms of the agent aspect of it. Right. So it makes it more and more competitive. You know, it's very competitive. You got, you know, agents always trying to steal your clients and stuff like that. But, you know, you just got to keep doing a good job for your guys. And, um, you know, in the end, at the end of the day, you know, things usually work out. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I know you're in a day and age where anybody with a Twitter account 
and a you know an iPhone can basically just put in their profile sports agent, right? And then yeah, yeah. I mean, you need to get registered by the NFLPA and stuff like that too. But but yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. It's uh, it's a whole different world out there. You know, it's uh, it, it really is. But it's the same like any other business. So Brendan, you mm-hmm. know, you do a good job for your clients. You know, you, you perform for your clients. You, you negotiate a good contract for them. You're there for them. You, you, know, you help them through uh, different things that go on in their lives, off the field and on the field. And you know what? You're gonna you're gonna get clients. You know, you're gonna get clients most likely if you do a good job. Sure. Yeah. I'm curious. How do you see the coronavirus and everybody kind of being on lockdown impacting the growth of esports? Because I've done a little research on it as well, and it it grosses more than a lot of the major sports leagues combined. How do you how do you see this mm-hmm. period of time potentially impacting esports? Yeah, I think I think it's going to make it grow even further because I think you know it was growing by itself just in terms of the, the the regular growth, but now that you don't have actual sports where you can actually go see a football game or go see a basketball game, you can log on to your Twitch and watch the guys playing you know Call of Duty and stuff like that and you know, watch guys playing in tournaments. Um, so I do think it's going to keep growing it, you know, and I think that's, that's, as we talked about, that's one of the areas I think will really grow, you know, sports wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're going to see what I think is you're going to see a lot more uh, major um, television, um, like broadcasts for that. They're going to broadcast a lot more esports, I would think. And you're going to see that like NBC, Fox, CBS, I think they're all going to have an esports division coming up uh, sooner as opposed to later if they don't already, you know, in terms of broadcasting. And that's right. going to, obviously going to generate revenue. Great. Sure. Um, and then hopefully at some point that these esports players have good representation, you know, they're going to get a good portion of that revenue. Right. Cause you don't, you know, and it's when you look at esports, it's not the typical athlete that you maybe had in your mind when you first, got i mean can you even call that person an athlete at that point how do you define an esport athlete versus an nfl athlete obviously it's two very different uh yeah people. yeah it's two different things but you know what they're getting paid to do something that they're good at and they have a skill for it sure so they actually have an, an acquired skill granted it's not the physical uh some physical things they've got to do in terms of running and jumping stuff like that but they, there is skill involved in how you play these games and so, sure. or skill, strategy, whatever you want to call it. And that's, you know, people pay for a premium for that skill or strategy, you know, for the esport teams. They want sure. those guys who are really good. So, yeah, it, it is a sport. It is a sport because they're getting paid to do it professionally, which is pretty gotcha. neat. And, you know, it's, you got it. it's pretty neat, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, uh, you know, how do you, how do you redefine athlete in the 21st century? Um, do you see... I do you see esports trickling into the NFL at all. So, for example, like I know for fun, some NFL players right now during the quarantine, like this, you know, some are playing like they're linking up on Madden with some of the fans just to like keep that connection. Um, obviously, Madden and video games like that have their likeness, and now there's sports betting. Do you see any type of major crossover with esports in the NFL? Yeah, well, I think you look at in terms of like different like even the i think the cowboys have their own esports team mm-hmm. right 
Um, I don't know if they're actually playing football, but this neat they have Dallas Cowboys have their own esports teams, and I think you're going to see a lot of the major sports franchises having their own sports team, esports teams. Mm-hmm. And what they're going to do is they'll get, you know, if they can find athletes who are good, like NFL athletes or or soccer athletes who are good at the esports, they're going to have them once they get done playing or stuff like that or in the off season play on their teams. I think. Like one of my clients, I got I represent Dominic Eberly, who's coming out from Utah State. He's a kicker from Utah State. Right. He's really good. I think he's one of the top kickers coming out this year in the draft. And he's like a really good FIFA player. And he's like ranked in the top hundred in the world in FIFA. Really? So like yeah, you know, so that's something that like in my mind, once he makes it in the league, you know, that's something that we can monetize for for Dominic. Sure. Basically, I believe. Yeah. Those type of things. So I do think there's going to be crossover in in this and you know in the professional athlete space and esports space because they have the name recognition, they have notoriety, which I think would bring you know more positive stuff and more eyeballs to the games and teams which you're playing on. I think um, Ajaye from the you know used to be with the Dolphins and the Eagles. He's he's uh, he's turned professional esports player, I believe, as well. Really? That's it. Yeah, the running back. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, uh, that's just another way to diversify what you can do. Cause I guess in the past it's, you know, once you're, once you're old and you know, you can't run anymore, you can't play your sport. That's kind of it from an agent standpoint, but you're saying that you can kind of morph and extend these guys careers through this venue. Yeah. Or, you know, basically help them to transition, mm-hmm. right. They can do help them to transition because, you know, in terms of the marketing and stuff like that, there's a usually there's only like a handful of guys in each team that get the big marketing deals. And if you got guys who actually perform on esports as well, who are good at it, because a lot of these guys all play the games, you know, that that's another I think a revenue stream for your free athlete, free client. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, how how do you um how do you go about building your player's brand? Or I guess one, how do you define brand? for a player and then two how do you help them grow and, and scale that that brand well i think the first thing is to find out what uh authentically what they're into you know find out what makes them tick or find out what makes them them like i'll give you an example for like justin right we sat down and met one of the first times we, we sat down and met and we're, we're talking about brand off the field right brent right you're yeah. talking off the field or on the field? Yeah. Okay. So off the field. The first time Justin and I met, we're talking. I asked him, like, what else are you into besides playing football and kicking footballs and stuff like that? And he said, well, I sing, I sing opera in seven different languages. I'm like, huh. I mean, granted, that's the extreme. You don't usually don't get that type sure. of answer from someone, right? But, uh, you know, that resonated with me. And I said, okay, you know what? Somewhere down the line, we're going to be able to monetize that, you know, in terms of, that's what he's authentically about and that's what he can really bring to the table through his own skills and talent and everyone else all the players and stuff like that they all have different types of skill sets that bring besides kicking footballs or playing professional football and so it's like you, you find out what makes them unique themselves or what they're into and then see if you can marry that to some type of um off the field type endeavor basically you know so with justin we were able to identify, obviously, that they could sing opera in several different languages. It was, you know, a slam dunk because there's not many professional athletes that can has the voice that he has, 
Right. And so then it was just taking that next step and getting, you know, bring that out there. We got, we were able to get um, Dr. Pepper to do, to make him part of their one of the, one of a kind campaign mm-hmm. where that was brought out in terms of the online commercials and stuff like that. He was uh, featured in one of their campaigns. And from there, I was able to be able to take that and bring that out to other, you know, rural farms. They were able to see the value of having Justin be a spokesperson for them, and being able to sing and stuff and do like, do like that. We were able to get him on um, a CBS show, uh, Most Valuable Performer, which enhances profile and stuff like that. So every step of the way, it's been one thing has led to another, add on to another, add yeah. on to another. Um, but I think at the outset, what I do with my guys is find out what makes them, what do they like to do and what are their interests um, authentically and what skills do they have besides kicking a football or punting football or, you know, playing football. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Bless take it from there. Now, can you, can you discuss a little bit what the combine to draft pipeline or, or processes like from your perspective, I guess, what does your office do to kind of prepare for the draft and and prep your guys for the combine? So for example, I know in some cases you, you know, agents will have, or, you know, agent companies will have uh, agreements or or contracts with trainers and stuff or uh, to prep their guys for the combine. Can you just kind of talk about what that off season process is like from the end of college football to the combine to the draft for your office in particular? Yeah, sure. It all depends if I have a positional player, right? With my positional players, once they're done playing their last college, you know, Oscar game, when they play their bowl game or what have you, if their season ends, what I do is I sit down and meet with them and presumably assign them to a contract, standard agent player agreement, and you sign them to a contract. And then from there, you chart out the course, okay? If it's a positional player, how are we going to get training? Where are we going to get training for you? Uh, in the past, I've sent, you know, Leonte Carew, uh, Janarian Grant. We sent them down to IMG in Florida, mm-hmm. in Braves in Florida. Okay. And um, that was a great spot where that's great. That's a great facility where they get training for four yard dash, for bench press, for vertical jump, for, uh, you know, um, pro agility and stuff like that. All the stuff they'll get tested for at the combine. Um, and at that spot, they also have um, draft prep in terms of interviewing process, what's going to do for interviewing process and stuff like that. Um, and you know, we, we have all that. For kickers and punters, um, what I did this year was we sent them up to Buffalo, believe it or not, Buffalo with Hammer Kicking Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, I re- this year I represent in the draft, I have uh, Dominic Everly from Utah State, kicker, and I have um, uh, Justin Rowasser, kicker from Marshall as well. And then Will Gatoni in my office, he also represents uh, Connor Limpert from Arkansas. And so we sent those guys up to um, Hammer Kicking Academy with Adam Talonsky. And it was great. You know, it was the first year I've done that recently, in the recent years, um, because what that did was put them all together and they actually competed against each other with other draft eligible guys. Mm-hmm. And they got better, you know, because they were kicking on a, on a regular basis four times a week at an indoor facility. Um, and they're getting better and they're competing against each other. 
And from there, they did that for probably about eight weeks. And then we sent them from there. Both my guys, those, those three guys didn't go to the combine. For some unknown reason, the combine didn't deem them combine worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we sent them also to Gary's Honors Camp down in Arizona, out in Arizona. And they all three of them did well there too. You know, they did really well there too. And then presumably you have a pro day. This year was a little bit different because of the coronavirus. Only Justin had his pro day. Uh, at Marshall, and all the other ones have been canceled. You know, Justin did crush it, though. He went 12 for 12 on field goals and put the kickoffs in the back of the end zone, which right. is cool. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. But that's basically the process. I mean, basically what you do, Brendan, is you, you know, you sign them, you make sure you get their facility needs in terms of training and stuff like that, uh, whether it be positional player, whether it be kicker or punter or snapper. Snappers, I sent my guys out to Justin Snow. Uh, Godsell had last year, uh, with the Bengals now, we had him down uh, with Justin Snow out by Indiana. With yeah, Justin's great. One-on-one. Yeah, he does a great job. He does a great job. Had him out there to get him ready to go for his – he was in the Senior Bowl, and then he was in uh, – he was at the Combine as well. Um, and then All-Star Games, too. I didn't mention you have All-Star Games. I know just, uh, Dominic Everly, he was in the uh, East-West Shrine game yep. down in St. Pete's, Florida. And so, you know, I go down there for that, too, to make sure they get taken care of and stuff like that um, and work to get them in those all-star games and stuff like that. So, gotcha. But it's a, whole, it's a whole process. It really yeah. is a whole process. And the more you map it out for your guys and have them what's going to happen, what's going to go on, you know, the better they're going to do. You know, I think my kicker's got a real advantage this year working up, you know, in Buffalo with, with Adam because – they were there, they were competing against each other every day and making each other better, basically. Right. I thought and it was competition. It's competition because once you're competing, if you're competing like that on a daily basis, then when you go to a, a combine situation setting or a genre situation setting, you've already been doing it for, you know, two months. Right. And so now it's just going out there. It's like, you know, preparing for a test. Now you're just going out there performing on command and sure. you're executing and doing what you got to do. Yeah, because, you know, typically it's a position that lends itself to just so much solo practice. You know, you don't want to be a practice here. You want to be ready to roll when everybody's watching. Yeah. Yeah, and I think some guys, if you're out there practicing by yourself, you, you know, you might lose a little, like, um, I don't know, focus, shall we sure. say, you know, yeah. because you're just out there by yourself. Like, you know, I'm not really competing against anybody. So mm-hmm. I think it's always good. It's always good to have a coach put another set of eyes on you as well. Sure. I think to, to watch what you're doing for your swing and stuff like that. Now, can you, um, what would be one piece of advice you would give somebody looking to start out in the sports business, just like you have? Um, you know, uh, you know, it, it sounds corny, but in my office, my conference room, I have a big, like, you know, it's a big I don't know if it's a picture or whatever it is, but it says, you know, work hard and be nice to people, you know, you got to work hard and be nice people. If you, if you have a passion to do what you want to do, no matter what it is, and you bust your ass and you work hard and you're, you're nice to people as you're going along your way, good stuff's going to happen. You know, I mean, I, I, when I started my sports practice, I had no contacts in the NFL. I didn't know anybody in the NFL, but I, I had a passion for it. And it was what I really wanted to do. And, you know, I just continued to work my ass off, work my butt off, and, you know, kept showing up. You know, I got, you got a lot of no's. You're going to get a lot of no's. 
but you just got to keep showing up and you just got to keep knocking on the door. And it's like the same thing with the NFL players. You know, it takes one team to like you. I always say it takes one team to fall in love with you. You know, for Justin Tucker, it was the Baltimore Ravens. They gave him a shot and he went and ran with it. Same thing as an NFL agent. You need one client to say, you know what? I believe in you and I believe you're going to help me get to where I need to go. And you get that client and you know what? Take one client, do a good job for that player. And you know what? He's going to tell his buddy. And next, you know, you're going to have two clients and you keep doing that on a consistent basis year in, year out. You're going to have a good practice and you have clients who actually believe in you who want to want you to do well as well. Right. What was your, what was your strategy? Cause you know, when you first started out, like we joked about, this was like pre-internet or just, you know, dinosaur age of internet. What, what was your, what was your strategy of trying to get that first big contact or get that first connection with a GM or a coach? Yeah, I I think it was just in terms of, again, it's like being authentic, being yourself. Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of those guys calling up saying, my guy's the greatest. You got to sign him and all kind of stuff. You know, I tried to do it where it's like, hey, you know what? This is my player. These are things you're going to bring to the table. I think it could be a, a positive addition to your team. And I just really like you to evaluate them, mm-hmm. you know, bring them in and evaluate them for yourself. Because in my mind, if I was doing my job properly and sign the right guys, that once I got them in the door, they're going to sell themselves. Right. And so that kind of was my strategy. And my strategy was not to take on too many guys at one time because I want to be able to actually, you know, do my, do the, the job I needed to do to get these guys in the door. Sure. And to do a good job and to have that word of mouth because that word of mouth is so important. You know, what type of job you do for your guys that those players will tell other players and those players will tell their coaches and the coaches will for your players sooner or later. And that's how that kind of works. Right. So strategy, it was to be myself talking to the teams and you know, being an advocate for my guys and, you know, sign the right guys that have the ability to play at that level in my mind. And then that, that'll take care of itself because once you get an opportunity, they'll do well and sell themselves. Right. What would be the one thing yeah. you, what, what's the one thing you want any one of your clients to remember about their time with you representing them? Um, Basically that like, you know, it was a different type of ex- well, a different experience. Um, say that question again, Brennan. So look, looking back, like let's say someday you're retired in, in the future, looking back on your career as an agent representing all these various pro players, what's the one thing you want them to take away from their time working with you? Yeah, you know what? Two things, that he did a really good job for me and that he really cared. You know, that he really did care about me and my family and stuff like that as to where I was in my life and where I was going. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Kickers Are People 2 podcast. If you like this episode, or even better, if you didn't like it, please drop us a review on iTunes so we can get better for everybody else. This is important because we're going to start to give away some free, cool prizes in the coming weeks, episodes, and seasons. Thank you.